This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 29th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. For all the bluster about disclosure and spending on political speech, one thing is clear. Americans like to spend their own money talking about politics without having their identities made public. The legal attacks on the nonprofits moving these messages are rooted in forcing identities out in the open. But for all the claims about not wanting to chill political speech, forcing disclosure clearly does just that. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, comments. For tax code purposes, the groups are called social welfare groups. Uh, If you don't like the groups, you'd call them dark money groups. That is, these are organizations that want to talk about politics and yet do not want to disclose who is donating the money to talk about politics. And the tax code has a nice place for these people, uh, 501c4. So what is that group? I mean, basically in the tax code, C4s are charity organizations. They were set up for that purpose. However, they've always been allowed to do some political activity. That distinguished them from C3s. Cato is a a C3, doesn't get involved in elections, and these organizations like Cato can't. But C4s have always been able to. The question always was that C4s, these social welfare institutions, could not have political activity as their primary concern. It was part of what they did, but not all. But what did that mean? Well, in American campaign finance law, there's always ambiguities. There's always not really rule of law. So actually, we don't know what it means for sure from the IRS to say what is the primary activity uh, of a social welfare organization. Now, the general assumption is that if you don't spend over 50% of the money, on television ads, say in an election, then you're within the rule of law. But in fact, the IRS has never really said. So what has followed from that, as always in Washington, is a big political struggle in which some people say the IRS should crack down on these abuses. Uh, But how can you crack down on an abuse when you haven't defined it as an abuse under the rule of law? So some partisans, Uh, both in Congress and out, say, stop those people from spending that money on campaign ads, while the other, generally speaking, partisans on the other side say, well, no, you shouldn't do that. Let's keep the IRS out of this. And that's basically what the story is. And it's a typical campaign finance story, I have to say. Complicated legal rules that are ambiguous, uh, maybe haven't been enforced, uh, combined with people just trying to get into the political system in a certain way to fund political speech. Since Citizens United, a couple of groups have had success at drawing some lines around what is allowable by uh, groups to spend money in politics. Mm-hmm. And disclosure, of course, is the big thing. And that is that is what reformers, uh, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, for people who want to have a more restrictive uh, structure on who gets to talk about politics, mm-hmm. uh, have been able to successfully argue in some courts that these restrictions do not unlawfully restrict political speech. Mm-hmm. Now, the question for me, and I think for you and others, is it's the issue is not whether or not they're unlawfully restricting uh, speech, it's whether they're unconstitutionally restricting Mm -hmm. Uh, political speech. Right. 
Remember, in Citizens United, uh, Justice Kennedy has some good words to say about disclosure. So in a sense, Citizens United is the origins of what has followed from there. Now, in a very realistic way, disclosure is by and large, what's left, if your goal is to try to restrict or limit the speech and spending on speech by other people, by the other side, or however you want to define it. Disclosure is where it's at, and here's why. I mean, if you can know who is doing spending, then you just essentially abuse them in public. You, you seek as much bad publicity for them as possible. I think anyone that's followed American elections uh, will know what I'm talking about. Uh, consider the things that are said about the Koch brothers. Consider the things in the past that have been said about George Soros. That's the kind of thing you do. And the purpose is what? Well, to have the same outcome as a prohibition. That is, to keep people from giving money for speech, uh, giving money to the other side or sending out messages you don't want sent out because it might convince voters that they should vote for one side or the other in an election race. This all comes down to trying to control the outcomes of elections to make them more favorable for my side or the other. You know, freedom of speech and the freedom to spend money on that is not something that necessarily has these kind of narrow interests about who wins elections or who loses them. That's why it has to be protected by the Constitution. If the government, through the tax code, did begin adjudicating uh, the rules very minutely about mm -hmm. who can say what, ultimately that puts the government back in the business directly, contra Citizens United, mm -hmm. of deciding what can and cannot be said uh, in this kind of advertising. Well, it could do that. I mean, they could decide that uh, be very uh, specific about uh, assigning a C4 or how much money could be spent. For example, if they decided that under a C4 designation, under this part of the tax code, that an organization could only spend 10% of its money, annual fee, uh, annual uh, earnings, from uh, on, on political activity, on election messages. And if they had been spending 50%, that would mean a significant drop uh, in how much speech we heard from that particular organization. Uh, more likely also is this whole business of requiring disclosure of donors or members of an association or whatever for the, this kind of political spending, which then would set in motion the kind of publicity machine to discourage spending, which would have the same effect. I mean, again, keep in mind the outcome, the end of the road is always the same. Someone somewhere doesn't want money spent on speech because it threatens them in some way or the other. Something that I think is lost in a lot of this is that corporations in every designation throughout the tax code. These are creatures of the state. And uh, when we talk about the First Amendment, we don't necessarily think in those kinds of terms of putting speakers in boxes mm -hmm. uh, by how they're organized, mm -hmm. by what they have to tell the public. Uh, and it, it just doesn't seem like there's a rational uh, way for those things to fit together, at least not currently. Well, I think people respond uh, very badly to the idea that corporations can speak. Corporation is a legal entity. They fail to recognize that a corporation, of course, in 
in the, insofar as it has any effects, is people. I mean, it's the officers of the corporations, it's shareholders, and so on. Um, so they, they don't like that idea. They don't like the idea because they think they know what the corporation is going to say, ultimately. But then, you know, one of the things I point out here is if you're going to have that strict kind of legal fiction approach to all this, that a legal entity can't be involved in politics, then just virtually every interest group, most of the campaign finance infrastructure we have now, political action committees, which reflect interest groups or, you know, just organized interest, are not going to be involved in politics because they also are not people in that sense. They're organizations or associations of people which have a particular legal form. So again, it's very problematic, I think. We have to take into account that people sometimes want to associate with one another, and corporations are one form of that. After all, for better or for worse, and many often it's for the worse, Corporations uh, acting on and officers acting on behalf of their shareholders have political responsibilities. The reformers, again, for lack of a better term, because I think these people just want a more restrictive uh, uh, playing field for political speech, say that they don't want to inhibit speech. Mm -hmm. But it seems clear that the impact of legislation across the board to mandate disclosure mm -hmm. does exactly that. I mean, for the reasons that, that you detailed mm -hmm. about not, uh, not wanting to be berated in public, mm -hmm. uh, but also just by virtue of the fact that this money then does not get spent. Sure. That is, people are constantly searching for an avenue to spend this money. And it seems like if the reformers get their way, the chilling effect, it's there. Sure. I mean, an easy way to recognize this, I think, is to think about what disclosure actually involves or some of the legislation that was recently proposed in Congress. They require, say, top five funders of an organization, a C4 organization, to be revealed in a uh, commercial, political commercial. Well, voters look at these things. Remember, most you're lucky if most voters know who the representative is, right? They recognize one of the people on the ballot. These individuals who are revealed in a commercial are unknown to voters, or almost all voters. I can't imagine more than one or two percent know who they are because they're the officers of a corporation, say, or of a, a think, uh, an interest group. So what is the information that is being conveyed there that is so valuable for the, this person? Well, the idea is that interests are at stake, right? That it makes sense with a commercial to say, well, this is a function of, you know, the, the energy interest or whatever you think, think about it. Uh, and that's supposed to, the whole message is supposed to be weighed in that light. But that's not what's disclosed. People are disclosed. Why are people disclosed? Because then if you know who they are, you can make it hot for them and try to discourage their speech. The, the logic of disclosure doesn't even work the way it's supposed to, I think. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government and author of The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.